Don't touch me. Sorry, Alex. He's being mean this morning. You're both being mean this morning, actually. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Nuh-uh. Yeah, you you were, like, giving me shit for not knowing the name of Oliver and Company and what year it came out, even though you were no help. I wasn't giving you shit. I literally had no idea what you were talking about. You know about. when you gave me shit when you said, you just got it all wrong? That's when you were giving me shit. I don't even remember saying that. You did. I threw a remote at you. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember this. I remember you breaking my shit. Mm-hmm. How convenient that you you block out the part where you were a dick. <laughs> it is convenient for me. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch, bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to ruse your lips, shake your shoulders, shake your hips. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Hey, Hannah, what's up? Uh, not much, Deanna. Look at both of us holding, holding our coffee our cups. Coffee. <laughs> like, like we're uh... in an ad or something. Mm-hmm. Good morning. If we were being like recorded visually, yeah, you, we would look like. <laughs> I, know. I don't know why we keep gesturing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you're listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. This is a podcast. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we come to you every week and we talk to you about ladies. That's yes, we do. Pretty much it. This week, we might have a little bit of background noise because it's... It's uh, weirdly warm. It was freezing two days ago and now it's quite warm here in New York and um, we needed to open up a window um, on this Brooklyn street. Yep. And we got some church traffic and... You know, and the kitty is in heaven. Kitty's in heaven. We're so we're just gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. And I apologize if you hear a lot of weird sounds in the background. I mean, our podcast is full of weird sounds anyway. Well, that's true. But they're usually not. They're usually just us. Usually, it's just us <laughs> doing weird things. It's usually, just us being weirdos. Uh, being yeah. weirdos. Um. Anyway. Yeah, dude. What's up? <laughs> what up? What up? Yeah, there's so many cars. There's so many cars. Well, we'll we'll Sorry. deal with it. Okay. Ben, ben will be sad. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not here, so. Benjamin. He got stuck in Colorado because of spring break. Yep. He flies standby and got shoved out of any possibility <laughs> of being able to come home on standby oh. flights because uh, the University of Colorado and presumably Colorado State mm-hmm. are having their spring break. Yeah. It's just a lot of travel today. Mm-hmm. 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 So uh, wish him luck getting home. I'm sure he will be home by the time this episode ends. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. Fingers crossed. But uh, anyway. In the meantime, you have something to read to me. Sure. There's going to be a lot of me today. It's a lot of you today. A lot of me today. Um, And this actually isn't a new article, but my first cousin once removed posted it on Facebook recently. And I was like, how did I miss this? So I wanted to read it. Um, So forgive me if uh, you're already aware of this stuff. But this is an article from womenyoushouldknow.net, which seems very on brand for us. (laughs) Um, And it's uh, Meet the History-Making Firefighters of first all-women staffed engine company in New York City. Ooh. So it's from September of last year. So pretty recent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So on Wednesday, September 26th, an all-women-staffed FDNY engine company served the city of New York for the first time in the department's 153-year history. Wow. Crazy. Uh, the crew, Lieutenant Tracy Lewis, Firefighter Martha Brecky, Firefighter Eniola Brown, Vanessa Shoning, uh, Serena Srisakul, and Regina Wilson, was well detailed done. to engine 503 on 51st Street and worked as part of ramped up efforts to protect the dignitaries of the UN General Assembly on its last day in session. Damn. Weird. This history-making all-female crew comes on the heels of an overall increase of women firefighters in the FDNY. Since 2013, after a 4.5-year hiring freeze, 46 new female firefighters have been hired, which more than doubled the total number on the force to 72. There was a f almost five-year hiring freeze? Yeah. Of firefighters? Mm hmm Dear God. That sucks. That really sucks. <laughs> For our overworked New York firefighters. Yeah. There's always fires happening in the city. Dude, the city is so old and gas lines are constantly blowing oh. up. Oh, yeah. I mean, my building's been on fire since, Dude. <laughs> since I've lived here. I know. That the number a, of that explosions. That was a wild, cold night. Well, that was just an idiot with a candle. <laughs> oh, that's She tossed right. a blanket on her because she kept a lit candle by her bedside. And uh, she, like, rolled over and threw a blanket on top of it. She was weird. She was an odd duck. She was too old to be doing that. Also, yes. candles are not allowed in our lease anyway. For that very reason, because people are apparently stupid with them. Really? Like, it's like candles say on them, don't put this near flammable shit. I mean, yeah, that's a duh. That's and a no-brainer. duh. Yeah. Anyway. In 2013, after a 4.5-year hiring freeze, 46 new women firefighters have been hired. So with 46 new uh, female firefighters, that more than doubled the number of women on the force to 72 female firefighters. Amazing. Yep. This is the highest number of women ever serving as firefighters and fire officers in the FDNY, and the record keeps getting broken with each new fire academy class. Hell yes. Mm -hmm. Currently, a large group of women probationary firefighters are slated to graduate next month. And since this was September of last year, oh. that number is even higher now. Yeah. Yeah. Historically, the number of women firefighters in New York City has been as low as 25 out of a force of roughly 10,500 to 11,000 members. Whoa. For many decades, New York City held the unfortunate record of having the lowest percentage of women firefighters out of all of the major departments in the country. Good God. Wow. I didn't know that. This has only changed recently, with the Cleveland Fire Department now lagging behind. Although the women in the FDN, FDNY only comprise 0.65% of the force, they are within striking Whoa. distance of having triple digits of women serving for the first time. <laughs> in striking dis distance of having triple digits. Like more than 100. Oh my god. That I mean, just... you have to be a very special type of person to be a firefighter. I Yes. I mean, 100% agreed. And I, I do think that, like, there's that, you know, that that idea where it, it's not that it's not that women don't want to go into professions like that or STEM professions. Like, we, we're constantly talking about encouraging women to go into STEM, encouraging women to, like, mm. join, you know, join yeah. the police yeah. force or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not the issue. The issue is that it is those those professions are still so patriarchal and misogynistic that they don't it's very intimidating it's to, very intimidating to go into a field that is very predominantly male and has a sort of culture mm -hmm. of of like heightened masculinity like yes. i wouldn't say like 
I don't know. It's just Heightened like masculinity it, is a good yeah, way. I don't. I wouldn't say that. that it's always toxic. It's just like it's a boys' club. Yeah. And and I think that for the men who have been used to this for their whole careers, and they just go to work and like bro out with their dudes, and suddenly you throw a woman in the mix, and it like really shifts the dynamic. So that's got to be weird for them too. I'm not yeah. saying that that's okay necessarily, but it's like there's a room full of men. This is very cisgender specific. Yeah. whatever a room full of men will act a certain way like homosocial behavior is very specific especially for dudes mm-hmm. and then you throw a woman in the room and they their behavior will change yes the way men talk to one another when they're it's just a bunch of dudes is very weird and frequently yeah. gross and <laughs> i mean yes yes and they get used to it and they like it and because they you know yeah, I mean, I, I like being in groups of like only women and then you throw a man in and yeah, women will change their behavior too. I think that there are probably a lot of women that would love to get into that profession and I'm glad to see it happening mm-hmm. more and more because it is intimidating, like you said. Yeah. Anyway, first group of female firefighters were sworn into the FDNY on September 25th, 1982. Whoa, 82. 82, which that's not surprising. <sighs> Um, as their hiring was the result of a contentious lawsuit, they faced much hostility and harassment. Ah, shocker. Now, 36 years later, this week's history-making all-female staff tour is a great commemoration of that date and shows how much progress has been made for firewomen in the FDNY. Retired Captain Brenda Berkman was the sole named plaintiff of that game-changing lawsuit. She dealt with the backlash that came from her landmark victory throughout her career. Quote, I'm impressed with the progress that's been made in the department so far, and I really wish I could have been the officer on this momentous occasion, said Berkman. After the initial group of female firefighters were hired, it took 10 more years for another woman to get hired because of how hostile the conditions were. Oh, my God. Berkman added, quote, back in my day, they intentionally separated the women so that we would never work together. It's great to see women finally being treated as equals on what should be another workday in the FDNY. Wow. The pioneering Berkman is also the founder and current retiree representative of the United Women Firefighters, a nonprofit run by a small but dedicated group of FDNY women firefighters and officers who work tirelessly to recruit and mentor young women who want to become firefighters. They conduct a year-round training program that helps women candidates pass their physical tests and fire academy. Oh. From the roster of <laughs> Wednesday's all-women staffed engine company, firefighter Serena Srisakul you're doing is, great. Is the president of the UWF. Firefighter Regina Wilson is the Brooklyn Borough representative, and Lieutenant Tracy Lewis is the sergeant at arms. And then there's a really cool picture of all of them. In their fire gear? In their fire gear. And there's it, it's actually, like, mostly women of color, which is also really cool. Uh, dude, thank you. You're welcome. You have more stuff to tell me. I have lots more stuff <laughs> to tell you. Because um, this week is my first week back in a while. Yes, it is. Because I had a mini break. That's um, right, yeah. Although, I mean, you were here for Trina. I was here for... Oop. Hold for Hold Siren. Hold for Siren. Are you a good witch? Or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on, on our, our Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively oh, yeah. for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. 
Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. All right, I'm interjecting very quickly to say thank you to our newest patron. Newest patron! She is a good witch. Yeah. And her name is Brittany L. Thanks, Brittany. And we just want to say thank you. We love you. We love you. Um, <laughs> so. So here I am, back with a vengeance. Ooh. To, to tell you about ladies. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and when I And when I found who I'm going to talk to you about today, I immediately was like, ooh, this is for Hannah. Ooh. <laughs> so, I mean, ooh. hopefully I'm not wrong on that. But if you are, I will give you the stink eye and make sure you know throughout your telling. <laughs> You're like, this is stupid. This is stupid. I hate it. This is stupid. My sources today are going to be, wow, that's blurry. Um, I know. I'm sorry. Our printer is fucked right now. It's uh, Wikipedia, Sydney Crime. Effia History, awm.gov.au. What is this? Records.nsw.gov.au. Oh my God, what is it? And Rejected oh Princesses. Oh God. <laughs> um, all right. At the turn of the 20th century, Sydney, Australia was in a battle for its soul. Gangs roamed the streets. Their enemies' lifeless bodies on pavements were a regular sight. Brothels, illegal bars, and gambling everywhere. The city was fast becoming a booze-soaked wasteland, which Australia was a prison colony, so kind of makes sense. Yeah. Two women ruled all of it. Tilly Devine and Kate Lee. Uh. This is the true story of two vicious hellions who each ran their own crime syndicate. Oh my god. 1920s America had Al Capone, while 1920s Australia had Kate Lee. <laughs> with uh, 107 convictions and Tilly Devine with 204 convictions, the quote, worst women in Sydney, and they hated each other. Oh my God, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> okay, see, I knew. <laughs> These are definitely uh, uh, bad bitches and not in a good way. Dude, I love Australia. Australians are wild. I mean, have you ever watched Miss Fisher, by the way? Mm-mm. It's, it's I know super it's like good. your favorite thing. I fucking love it's it. It's in the 20s, isn't it? But it's Australia in the 20s. So, you and... know, these ladies might be in it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Seriously. <laughs> but it's like murder mystery. Hell yeah. Women solving, solving murders and yeah. like fucking a lot of people and yeah. just doing her thing. That's awesome. Australians. Australians. Love them. Continue. But, you know. Australia is a made-up place, according to flat earthers. What? Flat earthers think Australia doesn't exist, <laughs> what? and that really? all Australians are actors <laughs> pretending oh. to be from a place that doesn't exist. Oh my god! Right? It's it's stupid. Oh, I I feel so <laughs> bad for them. I know they look they look real dumb. I, I just read an article how they're trying to go to Antarctica so that they can actually. Um, film the edge of the earth so improve it once and for all for people oh because honeys. they think the government is like protecting anyway anyway oh no i'm like you guys are just idiots Jesus oh christ god um sad well these people are amazing let's talk about let's them let's talk about them uh at the end of the first world war australian soldiers returned to discover that prohibition had hit the country hard which is not a great welcome home present no 
Uh, massive chunks of Australia, including Sydney, saw tight drinking hours put into place with absolutely no alcohol consumption allowed after 6 p.m. How do you police that? Um, yeah. You can, what? you can consume alcohol, but not after six. They're going to knock on everyone's door. Anyway, wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Turns out if you tell people they can't do something, they're going to want to do it even more. Yeah. Q. Kate Lee, a.k.a. the Sly Grog Queen. The Kate. Sly Grog Queen? Yep. Oh, fuck yes. Kate's empire started when Sydney passed laws prohibiting liquor sales after 6 p.m., right? Kate felt no need to obey these laws. She dealt in Sly Grog, which I had to look this up. A Sly Grog shop or shanty is an Australian term for an unlicensed hotel or liquor store, oh. often with the added suggestion of selling poor quality liquor, a place where alcoholic beverages are sold by an unlicensed vendor. Aha. So she's the Sly Grog queen. The Sly Grog queen. She also dealt in bedding parlors, brothels, and cocaine. She eventually ran over 20 establishments ranging from high end to working class. Tilly's futures, this is the other woman, Tilly, okay. found root in a legal loophole. In Sydney, no man could run a brothel. <gasps> the law said nothing of women. <laughs> With grit, tenacity, and an unyielding propensity toward violence, Tilly carved out her criminal niche. Yes. It's, it's insane. Like, these women are <laughs> ridiculously violent. It, it, um, the two outlasted their male rivals, through wits, brutality, bribes, and exploiting sexist ideas, like the fact that hardly anyone believed that a woman could be a criminal kingpin. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, the, the word itself is gendered. So, And they didn't even make a law to prevent it. So... <laughs> no man can run a brothel. I am no man! <laughs> I am no man. <laughs> Both women were rich, powerful, violent, and tried to outdo each other with furs and jewels. Much oh. remains unknown about the early days of their enterprises, as everyone hated talking to the cops. Yep. Nobody really knows what started their rivalry, if anything, but it was certainly personal. A rare eyewitness account from their early days survives via policewoman Maggie Baker. She was assigned to gather info and went on patrol. This is her first week of uh, on the police force, by the way. Oh, Tilly, poor Maggie. Tilly, she ran into Tilly, and Tilly was not happy that this cop was trying to gather info. She <laughs> grabbed Baker and began to rough her up and shake her down. And suddenly, a passing tram came by. Flying off of it came Kate Lee, who sucker punched Tilly in broad daylight. Kate, sitting on Tilly, basically turned to Maggie Baker and insinuated that she would always be willing to like beat Tilly up for her. <laughs> like trying to get on this policewoman's good side. This sounds She's like, like I fucking hate this bitch. So if you have, if she ever gives you any trouble, you tell me. <laughs> this sounds like a cartoon. That, right? <laughs> can, that's the thing is like, can you imagine just like the whoo, boom, like just flying off of this tram car? Oh, there's my rival. I'd better jump off this tram car and <laughs> yes. punch her in the face. I mean, I'm sure she probably was like, hold on. And she walked <laughs> off calmly and then punched her. But like, I like the idea of thinking she just like leapt out. Woo! Yeah. Yes. I appreciate but that. But I love that it's just like, she giving you a hard time. She's a fucking bitch. I'll take care of her. for You know, like I imagine that. So oh anyway. Oh my God. They hated each other I a love lot. It. Um, Kate trashed Tilly's brothels. <laughs> Tilly smashed Kate's stores. Kate slashed up Tilly's sex workers. Oh. Tilly slashed up Kate's cocaine dealers. Oh, God. Kate set up rooftop snipers. On and on, back and forth for years. Rooftop snipers? Yes. 
Part of what made this particularly ugly, and I didn't know about this, probably because I'm not Australian, is that at the time, Sydney had like, re- I mean, they, Australia still has like um, bad uh, or like really restrictive gun laws, which is great. Mm-hmm. But at this particular time, it was like the first time they were really like, no, no firearms, blah, blah, blah. So criminals uh, at this time were using straight razors as weapons. Oof. So it be, it like, it was a huge problem. Yeah. Of like walking down the street and getting fucking slashed up. God. By razor blades. Um, the oh. razors were so prevalent that the neighborhood of Darlinghurst came to be known as Razorhurst. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, this explains a lot of things about that for me. The show? The There's a there's a book called Razorhurst. Mm. And I believe it's probably set there. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look it up later. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that that came from somewhere. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. Sounds really bad. I don't want I, uh. to live in a place where razors are so prevalent that you've renamed, quote unquote, the like town. The unofficial renaming of the neighborhood. Uh. Don't go to Razorhurst unless you want to get cut up. Uh. Yeah. Kate and Tilly, though, usually kept to fists when fighting each other. I also read that. So Kate would always carry a gun and carry a gun in her purse, but also her weapon of choice. If it wasn't fists was bricks. I was like, Jesus Christ. She was just a fucking brute. Yes. I love that. Yes. I mean, I don't love that, but you know but, what like, I mean. But, like, it's wild. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tell how long this, like, back and forth went on exactly, but it was less time than you would think. Probably about 1927 to 1930 or so. But that's still a long time. Mm-hmm. Of, like, constant violence between yeah. two kingpins, like, criminal <laughs> lords of their neighborhood. That's plenty of time mm-hmm. to fuck some shit up. Oh, yeah. Um, it did get insanely ugly, though. With upwards of 40 people at a time beating the hell out of each other in the middle of the street in broad daylight. Oh, my God. Is this like a 300 movie? What the fuck? Right. Um, And inevitably, when questioned by the cops, everyone would claim ignorance as to who assaulted them. (laughs) Like, these people would fight each other. And then when the cops are like, who did this? And they're like, so backing up a little bit. Each woman rose to the top. From the most utterly dire of circumstances, as you would probably guess. Yeah. Um, Kathleen Mary Josephine Behan was born in Australia in 1881. She was frequently starved and abused as a child. She had very abusive parents. Uh, When she was finally able to run away from her family, she ended up with a series of abusive alcoholic lovers. Great. Yep. Uh, Her first husband was James Ernest Lee. Uh, He was a half Chinese, half Australian illegal bookmaker and thief. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, she had a daughter with him around 1903 named Eileen Um, she also lied to protect him when he assaulted their landlord and she went to jail for him she spent half her 30s in jail for this man dear god Uh Um, after divorcing him she anglicized the Asian last name Lee Uh L-E-E to L-E-I-G-H and that's the name that she's Kate Lee like for the rest of her career even though she remarried again twice um oh yeah it Um, just became her signature uh uh-huh yeah yep uh and that was the only reason i mentioned that he was half chinese is because i was like wait what like why when when i saw that the last name was his last name was spelled differently (laughs) than hers and i was like why why is it because she anglicized it um because she was white um she after divorcing him uh became a factory worker a sex worker stole fenced goods and would provide false alibis for money Oh, um, yeah. 
there's a profession for you <laughs> be like oh you need an alibi awesome i'll do yeah, that for we you. we were watching tv it was fine give me 500 bucks mm-hmm. uh by 1922 she married a guy named teddy berry he was a music- teddy berry <laughs> yeah uh, he was uh, a musician, oh, a sly no. grog dealer, and a small time criminal. Teddy Berry, the sly grog dealer. <laughs> I'm okay. Mm, I'm good. But you know what I love in reading about all of her husbands is that they oh. were like small time petty thieves. Yeah. Petty criminals. And she became a fucking drug lord and like famous madam. Like she basically yeah. ran. She like saw what they were doing and was like, y'all are idiots. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I will do this I'll do that. and I'll do it better. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but her marriage to Teddy Barry didn't last very long. She caught him cheating on her and ended up savagely beating him and his mistress. Oh, God. Yeah. With bricks? Oh, wait, no, that's the other one. No, it's Kate. Oh, okay. Probably yeah, yeah. with bricks. <laughs> um, after divorcing him, she reverted to using her previous last name of Lee. Yeah. Uh, after she discovered that she had a knack, certainly a better knack than her husband's for being a ruthless criminal, she opened up a chain of illegal after hours bars, which cool. is back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Yep. Then when Australia made cocaine illegal, apparently Coke wasn't legal for them, which makes sense because I guess it wasn't, it was a medicinal thing. For yeah. A while. I don't think it was illegal here for a while mm-hmm. either. Right. So, but then when Australia made cocaine illegal, she took advantage of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, she bought up all the coke that she could find, <laughs> marked it way the fuck up, and sold it almost exclusively. Damn, girl. Yeah. By the late 1920s, Kate Lee was one of Sydney's biggest kingpins. Her business was booming and life was sweet, except for the constant thorn in her side in the form of Tilly Devine. Oh, Tilly, Tilly, Tilly. Tilly uh, was born in London. And she grew up in London sweatshops. Uh, she was born, I think, in like 1900 or so. She's like 20 years younger than Kate. Okay. Um, and she became a sex worker as early as the age of 12. Ooh. Which is... Oh. Mm-hmm. Tilly was flirty, vivacious, buxom, and pretty. And she was soon earning good money. Yeah. She married an Australian soldier who bragged of his prospects back home, which included a family kangaroo farm. <laughs> Uh, his name was Jim Devine, and her relationship with him was complicated as hell. Yeah. They had a kid in England because uh, they were there for like three years after because they got married in England and were there for a few years before they went back to Australia. Mm. They had a son named Frederick, and they left Frederick with Tilly's parents when they left the country, which oh. is probably for the best. Yeah. Be- well, especially because Australia was probably still kind of seen as like a criminal colony. I mean, it kind of. At the time. Clearly <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they left Frederick with her parents yeah. and um, had fairly little contact with him throughout their lives. Oh, again, probably for the best, though. <laughs> You're like, maybe they not both sound like they were pretty to... shitty people. So, um, so cool. they both, yeah, speaking of which, they both beat the shit out of each other on a regular basis. Mm, fun. Um, they, it was a textbook abusive relationship. Uh, she was known to turn on a dime Wait. if Jim or anyone else crossed her. It was a textbook abusive relationship. She was known to turn on a dime if Jim or anyone crossed her. Uh, there are numerous stories of her being sweet and loving one minute and a holy terror the next. Great. Um, it turned out uh, this kangaroo farm that he said he had and all this money he said he had back home, surprise, was not real. What is a kangaroo? What do you do with a kangaroo farm? I don't fucking know. Do, you, think- do people eat kangaroo? 
Oh, they eat them. Yikes. That sounds like it'd be really tough. They're yeah. Super muscular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, he had no money whatsoever. He was penniless. Great. Mm-hmm. So that meant that when they went back to Australia, Tilly was back on the streets Ugh. Um, for money. Shit. Which I, apparently they discussed it in advance. And that was like a thing. Because he was like, by the way, I don't have money. So if you want to do this, um, that would be fine. I'll be your muscle. So her abusive husband was her bodyguard, basically. Great. <laughs> well, she went cool. out and walked the streets as a sex worker. Um, so she came to Australia in 1920. And by 1925, she was well known to the police in Sydney. As a sex worker. Oh, just like as a fucking. Okay. All right. I'll let you tell me. In the five years that she had been there, she accumulated a long list of convictions. (laughs) The numerous offenses ranged from common prostitution uh, to indecent language, offensive behavior, and assault. Oh, man. Yeah. Tilly was a tough woman who took no shit. She would go to bars and refuse to be segregated by gender because apparently they were like, women can go in this room. And she's like, no, fuck you. Um, She slashed to ribbons any Johns who tried to skip out on paying her. For her Ooh. services. Uh, she once pulled a man's face apart with a razor. Oh, God. Yeah. And she even soaked disobedient and crooked cops in gasoline and would set them on fire. Oh, my God. These women are brutal. Um, so she served two years in the state reformatory at Long Bay uh, for when she um, sliced up that man's face with a razor blade. Jesus. Uh-huh. Her stint inside convinced her to make some important career changes when she was released. I bet you can guess what they are. She decided she wanted to uh, be her own boss instead of a small time. Good. Uh-huh. So she decided to start her own brothels okay. rather than continuing to work on the streets herself. Yep. Um, she was able to pursue a long career as a madam because of the aforementioned uh, statement that uh, the law only said men couldn't run brothel- brothels. <laughs> Um, it, it said it was only illegal for men to live off the earnings of prostitutes. Was I mean, the law. I want to know how long it took them to amend the law. I don't. It, a while. Yeah. A while. Jesus. Um, she quickly set up a number of brothels around Palmer Street when she was released from jail. She then moved into the illegal booze trade, which meant she started to encroach on Kate's business. And uh, Big Jim, her husband, <gasps> Big Jim, also started selling cocaine out of their brothels. Also encroaching on Kate's business. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, historian Larry Ryder has noted that the Devines ran diversified operations. They had elite call girls available for politicians, businessmen, and overseas guests of significance. Uh, while there were, quote, tenement girls, they were young working class women who resorted to casual sex work to supplement their their income. Their, yeah. They frequently were using drugs and needing clothes and all that. Yeah. It was a, a fucking wild time. Older female sex workers, known as, quote, boat girls, oh. catered to itinerant sailors or working class men. Ah. Tilly managed to build an empire on her wicked reputation. Kate's reputation, on the other hand, was a bit more generous and jovial, weirdly, for a woman who walks around with a gun and a brick in her purse. <laughs> she would often attend random court cases and heckle the judges and lawyers. <laughs> Usually while peeling vegetables for her dinner that night. <laughs> oh, my God. She was far from alone. Sydney had more colorful criminals than the police could handle. Uh, and by 1930, the cops decided they wanted to strike back. Uh, Sydney passed laws allowing them to arrest anyone they thought had 
quote unquote bad character, which is very broad. Uh, yes. Um, these laws were a massive overreach, obviously. Um, the most horrific side effects at the time was a lot of arrests of gay men. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bad character. Bad character. That tended to be a huge problem uh, that they were being really shitty Uh. to gay men. But when it came to gang activity, they were able to do a lot. Yeah. To stop it. Yeah. Because you could arrest someone for pretty much anything. Um, Anyone using a razor as a weapon was jailed and flogged. I mean, anyone using a razor as a weapon should probably Maybe be not arrested. Maybe but jailed, perhaps. Jailed, at least. That's assault. Yeah. Um, it managed, actually, to take Tilly and Kate out of the picture for the better part of a year. Whoa. So, mm-hmm, when all these laws were passed, Tilly basically was like, oh, no, my mom's sick. I should go back to England. And so she went back to England <laughs> for nine months because she was like, well, okay, bye. <laughs> and... Um, Kate then spent 12 months in jail for cocaine and alcohol possession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, However, they were very good at their jobs and their organizations were set up so well that even though they were both gone, their organizations kept running just fine. There it is. Uh, Kate's stay in prison was actually pretty cushy, which isn't very (laughs) shocking for like drug kingpins and, and crime kingpins. She would, like, ask the warden's wife over for tea and, like, shit like that. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-huh. While she was there, this is so sad. She's such a bitch. She befriended an elderly inmate, a widow. The widow was actually in uh, prison because she killed her husband on accident because they were both, um, I had to read up on this specific uh, thing, they were both awful alcoholics the husband and the wife and she was like looking for something in the shed and the husband thought she was trying to steal his secret store of alcohol they were both wasted and so he started to like come for her to be like don't steal my booze and she like accidentally slashed his wrist with a razor because she was like get the fuck away from me and she made one cut and he bled out oh so i mean but it was an accident because she was just drunk they were both drunk idiots so it was like, what, manslaughter or probably. something? Yeah, who knows? Oh. I mean, women were probably treated very unfairly anyway. But anyway, Kate decided to befriend this woman because she was a widow who had a, a pension from her dead husband. And um, so when this woman, so Kate got out first and then this woman was released from prison and Kate uh, picked her up in a limo. She's like, we're friends, come here. And she took her to collect her husband's pension so that she would have some money now that she was out of jail and immediately robbed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, not long after that, like I think it was within a week, um, Kate shot a man in the penis. Uh, oh. <laughs> he was at one of her establishments, got a little um, heated. He got into an argument, and then when they asked him to leave, he refused. So she shot his dick. <laughs> That's what you get, men. Like everyone else at the time, he refused to implicate her or press charges. He knew. He knew knew what was up. You don't want to fuck with her. Mm -mm. Um, But none of this played well in the press. For her. For her. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're in a male-dominated society, like anything that makes it look like you're a penis. You were bested by a woman. Yeah. Especially when literally she she fucked with your manhood. Press became extremely important for both of these women during this era. um, This feels very like Chicago. Yeah. It is super Chicago. It's the same era, too. Yeah. 
Um, because the police lived and died by public opinion, they targeted and arrested any bad characters, right? Yep. Um, all someone had to do, they realized, was seem like a bad citizen to get the cops to start looking at you. Yep. So Kate and Tilly began ratting on each other out, uh, ratting on each other to the newspapers constantly. They managed to call a truce on their violence at this time against one another, their gangs, but they began fighting with headlines. Oh my God. Kate said that the title of worst woman in Sydney was absolutely Tilly's title, not hers. It was like, <laughs> no, you're not thinking about me. You're thinking about her. Though I am happy to be called the most notorious woman in Sydney if you want to give me that. Uh-huh. Um, Tilly played up her English roots in a bid to appear classier than Kate. Uh, and it often brought up her childhood abuse to try and illustrate how rough and tumble she was, like where she came from. And of course, Tilly was more than happy to trash her rival to any journalist she could find, saying, quote, I'm not like Kate Lee anyway. I might drink and have a run in with the police now and then, but I don't take dope. And no one can say that I've ruined young girls. Kate Lee does all of this. OK. They also randomly had some ongoing feud in the papers about dogs. Like, Tilly would constantly be photographed with her Pomeranians. And Kate was like, yeah, she stole those dogs from me. And and Tilly was like, no, I fucking didn't. (laughs) Shut up. She's lying. Who knows? That's just a random thing. Like, they fight about anything. Oh, my God. But they also used it uh, as a way to promote themselves while taking down the other woman. Um, They would make the news with acts of charity in an attempt to remake their image. Um, both donated heartily to the Salvation Army and other charities. Uh, Kate proved to be far more adept at philanthropy, while Tilly tended to focus on smaller niche causes. Mm. Both looked after the homeless, donated to orphanages, and helped out families that were going through it because of the Great Depression. Well, okay. Much of it anonymously, actually. Um, Kate even bought some Shetland ponies for the neighborhood kids. Um, Weirdly, they were actually keeping the neighborhood afloat. But on the whole... um, Kate was uh, more giving than Tilly, at least publicly. Um, Interesting. Which I think was partly due to the fact that Tilly was going through a divorce um, at the at the time with yeah. Big Jim, which was, of course, very violent, prolonged, and, like, really nasty. And since she was famous, like, the papers were very, very much on top of it. Yep. Um, by the time Tilly came back from England, um, like, when she went to, quote, unquote, take care of her mom, Her husband had taken to openly sleeping with various other women, uh, which was humiliating. Um, It culminated in their 25th wedding anniversary, which was a a big party that she was throwing. Um, He came in late after having been out drinking with his lover. Mm. He loudly proclaimed at this party to everyone that he was going to marry this new woman. Um, And then he broke a bottle over Tilly's head. Oh, at good. The party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she decided she wanted to divorce him soon after that. <laughs> oh my God. Although they, I mean, they beat the shit out of each other all the time. But maybe not quite so publicly. Yeah. At a, a party celebrating their, their marriage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it took about a year for her marriage to go through, or her divorce to go through. Uh, even after months of enduring humiliation and detailing how her husband beat her ferociously, Tilly couldn't satisfy the judge. He insisted that there had to be witness testimony against uh, Tilly's vindictive gangster husband. So obviously nobody wanted to go up against Big Jim because he was a gangster too. Uh, it was so stupid. And a testament, though, to Tilly's fearsomeness, she managed to convince someone to testify, and finally the divorce was granted. 
Damn. Um, I wonder what so, happened to that person. Yeah, who knows? Um, I think it was a woman, but. Yikes. Uh, Tilly remarried three years later. Her new husband was also a gangster <laughs> named Eric Parsons. And sadly, she was also, uh, she was very abusive to him. <laughs> oh, God. Um, she oh. was not a good woman. No. Um, but so when they got married, they had a party that lasted all night. <laughs> And finally, when they went to bed, which was around noon the next day, uh, five fire engines and an undertaker showed up to their house, which was apparently a practical joke. And we really don't know who pulled that joke, but obviously people suspect that maybe it was Kate. Oh. It was like, oh, you want to go to sleep? No. No. Congratulations on your new marriage. What a bitch. Um, Though, by 1948, Kate and Tilly buried the hatchet, and I put in quotes, or the razor. Uh-huh. Ta-da. Oh, See what I did there? Yeah. Yeah. Because nearly all of their friends and or anyone they'd worked with was dead or in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so basically at this point, because they were they were pretty old, like uh, Kate, especially who was born in 1881. It's 1948 now. Um, yeah. They're, they're getting up there. Like Tilly was 50 and Kate was like almost 70. Yep. And uh, they were all they had was each other. Basically, at this point, though, they never became friends, friends. But they but stopped they, fucking they with stopped each other. They stopped fucking with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, they shared a common downfall, actually, with Al Capone, too. Taxes. Uh-huh. Taxes. All this illegal shit you're doing. And mm-hmm. you're ve- they were very wealthy women. And they're like, hey, by the way, this is how we're going to get you. Yep. Um, there were substantial changes implemented in liquor and brothel laws, finally. In- and their incomes and subsequently their fortunes began to dwindle. Uh, for years, there were rumors that they had like secret cash troves hidden around Cindy- Sydney, but none were ever found. Cindy. Cindy. <laughs> um, both women passed away in poverty years later. Um, Kate from a stroke in 1964, Tilly from cancer in 1970. Wow. Um, a vicious hellion to the end, Tilly had a scarce handful of mourners. Her funeral service was poorly attended and her death went virtually unnoticed by Sydney's media and population. And it was said that very few people openly mourned her death. The only public eulogy offered to Devine was given by the then police commissioner, Norman Allen, who said she was a villain. But who am I to judge her? Whoa. Um, It was a far cry from Kate's funeral, which was six years earlier. Uh, Amazingly, Kate Lee died beloved. Yeah. Her latter day charity and public good deeds remembered in lieu of her years of sin. Um, her best eulogy may have come from policewoman Maggie Baker. Oh, yep. At the one that she left to the yep. aid of years earlier, who said, <laughs> When Kate died, I felt, well, there's a bit of good old Australian history that's gone. <laughs> and I uh, apparently, oh. um, Tilly went to Kate's funeral, and at some point, during the the funeral situation, she's like, God rest the old bitch's soul. <laughs> Which is just like... A good, the perfect cap. It makes sense. Yes. But it's kind of, I mean, again, like Tilly Devine was a nasty woman. But it's kind of sad that Kate, she had like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at her funeral. Because she was like, look at me, you're doing all this charitable stuff. She was in the paper all the time. One of the articles I read had a picture of her, like a smiling picture of her in the paper. And then underneath it was like, wow, it almost makes you forget all the murder. Oh, my but, God. But then Tilly had no one. Yeah. But it's, I mean, when you when you are doing all the murder and, and selling all the drugs and, and the, the lady bodies, 
Like, it's, it is easily forgiven when a lot of the money that you are generating from that is going back into the community. And if no one else is, like, if no one else is paying for, for shit that she is paying for, they're, right, you know, they're going to love her. Yeah. Her own I neighborhood, like the working class, like the people that she's there. Like, that's kind of the whole point. It's very cinematic. You see it all the time in mob movies. Yes. Where it's like people, they don't approve of the methods, but they're like, yeah, but they're they're stout members of our community who give a lot back. Yeah. So what are we supposed? And that's that's how they get you. Yep. Man, this really, I mean, it really is just like a movie. I wonder if there is a movie about they, there's them. There's been a couple, like, Australian, um, like, I think TV series and things kind of done. But there should be on a bigger scale. Yeah. Because it's it's really crazy. Because that's some, I mean, it, it really is super cinematic. Yeah. You have these two rival lady kingpins in 1920s Australia. Yeah. Uh, it's, that is, it's... I can't even believe that that's real. It just feels like a movie. Right. I don't know. That's That was amazing. I knew you would love it. I loved it. <laughs> Clearly, you know me well. I've re- well, other than Elizabeth Bathory, but that one had a twist ending. But I think it might be the first time where I've done people who I actively don't like, where I'm like, yeah. y'all are, ugh, you guys were gross. You are bad people. You are horrible people. <laughs> With uh, no sense of, of morality or, you know, it's, it's looking out for number one. You're like Trump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about those stories, though, is like that's one of the, it's one of the reasons we don't get movies about female characters like that is people don't think they existed. Which obviously. And they did. Like, it's just that whole thing of and they exploited this all the time where women were seen as incapable of being ruthless, of being violent, of being power hungry, of being, you know, all these women are just as fallible as men. Yeah. Yep. And if there's a if they see a loophole in their favor, they're going to fucking jump on it. They're not going to go, oh, well, I'm a dainty lady. I'm not going to. I mean, yeah, if you're a sociopath who wants like who's who are power hungry. And I mean, that's the thing is that obviously both of them came from like really shitty backgrounds. Yeah. So that kind of formed them into these people who did what they needed to do to survive and they fucking thrived. Yeah. Not in good ways, but they did. But if you see a way to get power in in your position with your station and with the shit that you've been through, like even if that even if that thing is not super savory, you're probably going to do it. Yeah. You know, but that was that was fucking incredible. It's a wild story, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love tried it. To, I mean, it, obviously, t- we have this issue every time we try and talk about more than one woman. Yeah, where it's like really hard to keep it succinct, and, and but you know, I tried to put all my sources in a particular order, but I just, I really did. I appreciated how you interspersed their stories, yeah. and you know, made it clear where they came into one another's lives, and. I just, I love the idea that one of them walks around with a brick in her purse and will jump off the tram to punch, to the, punch other. the other one yeah. because their rivalry is so, is so strong. It's so strong and so public that I'm sure it's one of those things where it's like, if she went past her and, and you're in a public space and people go, oh, there's Tilly. Are you going to do anything? She's right there. She's right there. She's not, you know, she's encroaching in on your shit. And if you don't do anything, you're seen as weaker or something. Yeah. Yeah. You got to defend your title. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. 
I mean, that's why I think it should be a movie. It's so cinematic. Like, I, think, I can just see it in I my think mind. Should, like, Hollywood should do a movie about these women mm-hmm. because I think that's the only way it's going to, like, be seen on any sort of international scale. Yeah. Hollywood. Fucking rad. I wish Hollywood listened to our podcast. <laughs> We've given them a lot of uh, movie ideas. Movie ideas. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Listen up, Hollywood. I mean, we didn't do it. These women did it, to be fair. But... But we're talking about we're them. We're talking about them. Anyway, <laughs> would you like some on this day? I would love some on this day. Uh, it should be March 27th when this one drops. There was really not a whole lot that wasn't just incredibly depressing. Oh. So I'm going to do some more births and a couple of things. But so March 27th, 1866, President Andrew Johnson vetoes the Civil Rights Act of 1866. Oh, that's fun. The Civil Rights Act of 1866 was basically the um, post-Civil War like civil rights act that was like black people are citizens too yep and andrew johnson who became president after lincoln was assassinated was like nah but his veto was overridden by congress thank god and the bill was passed into law on april 9th what the fuck so dumb um 1884 march 27th a mob in cincinnati ohio attacks the members of a jury which had just returned a verdict of manslaughter in what was seen as a clear case of murder. Over the next few days, the mob would riot and eventually destroy the courthouse. Uh, okay. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. That is insane mob behavior. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, people. Right? Um, births, birthdays, 1824, Virginia Minor, American women suffrage activist. Oh, Maybe a good woman to investigate. Yeah. 1899, Gloria Swanson, American actress and producer. Oh. What did she produce slash act in? I don't know. Okay. We have to look it up. What was she famous for? Okay. Okay. Um, 1924, this one is also geared towards you. Um, Margaret K. Butler, American mathematician and computer programmer. She participated in creating and updating computer software, contributed to the development of early computers, um, was the first female fellow at the American Nuclear Society and director of the National Energy Software Center at Argonne. That's amazing. Yeah. What was her name? Uh, Margaret K. Butler. Okay. Log that one away. Um, And uh, 1971, March 27th, happy birthday, Nathan Fillion. Happy birthday, Nathan Fillion. Nerd King. Nerd King. He really is. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Him and Will Wheaton. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. I would put Alan Tudyk on there just because of con man, but I mean, only he's a little. like the nerd jester. He's the jester okay. of the court. Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Nerd jester say. is good. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, thanks. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. What are you excited about this week? I am excited about <clears throat> What am I excited about? Two things. Okay. One is that it's officially spring now so it would seem so it would seem so the equinox was this past week um well that we're recording um march 20th um and that's like a a a, a witchy holiday right astara yes thank yep you. slash easter ish which is coming soon which is yeah in the on the christian calendar it's coming soon but the way christians celebrate easter is based very much on astara which is more of a fertility holiday oh yeah it definitely is um because I, I was I was listening. joking to Alex recently about how uh, my mom's very excited because I'm going to be home for Easter this year. Yay. And he was like, OK, yeah, but even though none of us are Christian. And I was like, we literally celebrate 
the pagan version of Easter. That's all we do. Yeah. It's just eggs and bunnies. Things are blooming. We don't talk about Jesus at all. Yeah. Because <laughs> my mom's not Christian and I neither am I. Yeah. And so. you don't need to be Christian in order to celebrate fertile, beautiful things. Easter and Christmas. Both mm-hmm. of those are pagan holidays that I'm happy to celebrate the pagan way. Yep. Yep. So the official, like, the official pagan one was just this past week, mm-hmm. Astara and... One of the reasons I'm excited about it is because I'm my brain is already starting to feel clearer. For like, sure. The Ides of March thing is yep. like kind of over and it's like once the equinox passed, I immediately started to feel better. It's weird, me too. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a it's an actual thing. There there are people oops. There are people who have written about that, like the effect of the equinoxes on you yeah and how it's kind of unconscious at times but it really it really does do something to us and once it's over you feel relieved like you breathe a sigh of relief right so i am excited that that that's happened and it's officially spring because now we can start getting into things warming up and blooming and you know yep all of that Um, And then I say this one, but we've already talked about it several times, so it's not that big a deal for people listening. But I'm finally getting to see Captain Marvel today. Yay! Thank God. And then we can talk about it. And then we can finally talk about it. I know. (laughs) And then I have to see Us, which I'll be belated with that. Which I saw this weekend. You saw that already. And I have been talking about it nonstop. Yeah, so Captain Marvel, and then we'll get to see us at some point, and I'm excited to be finally catching up on good cinema. What, what? What, what? So, yeah. That's awesome. That's my shit, and uh, I think I think that means... We're done? We're done. Yeah. I think that means we're done. I think that means we're done. All right. For this week. For this week. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... If you are still listening to us after all this time and you haven't yet let, uh, left us a review, please do. It's super helpful. It's super it helps helpful. people find us. And if you continually listen to us, then you like us. And so someone else will like us too. Yeah. And if you help them find us, then you're a part of the movement. <laughs> Be a part of the movement. <laughs> the GWBB movement. Uh, so do that, please, and give us a shout on social media. Everything is at GWBB Podcast. Yep. Um, we love hearing from you and engaging yep. with you and seeing you recommend us to other people. Hell yeah. So, yeah. And, um, oh, we are getting the pins ordered. <laughs> Just FYI for any of our patrons who are listening and wondering um, why they still don't have their pins. We are ordering them um, and they should be on their way to us shortly. So, yeah, keep your eyes out for some more information about that. We'll be being we'll be getting in touch with all of you individually for addresses and things like that. Woo-hoo. So uh, without any further ado, peace out, witches. Bye till next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. <laughs> Hannah Ferguson. And we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, you can find us on iTunes, 
Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. We love to receive emails. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air, uh, shoot it over to us. We would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. <laughs> Become a patron and help us, you know, pay for our hosting. Yeah, Patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content. And it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast. And it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out. If you like it, you can be a part of it. Also, to help us out, you can rate, review, and subscribe. All of, the, all of those things are extremely helpful for us. They help other listeners find us. Yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce. Moon Bounce.